Gryffindor. Hufflepuff. Ravenclaw. Slytherin. What house are you in? This podcast is the property of the Half-Blood Princesses. I'm Demi. I'm Jess. The story will begin in a flourish. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. We cannot wait to kick off this magical journey. Absolutely. We thought the name the Half-Blood Princesses was super cute because a lot of our favorite characters are Half-Bloods, including Harry Potter himself and the awesome Metamorph Magus Nymphadora Tonks. Plus, we have to give credit to the Half-Blood Prince himself, Severus Snape, and his awesome potions book. We thought we'd start the podcast by telling you a little bit about ourselves. Demi, would you like to start? Sure. Hi, I'm Demi. I am a very proud Hufflepuff. My wand is sycamore wood, 11 and 3 quarters inches with a phoenix feather core. My Patronus is a white stallion. My favorite book is The Deathly Hallows. It has my heart. My favorite character is the one and only Neville Longbottom. And my favorite Hogwarts class is Charms. Hi guys, I'm Jess. My house is Ravenclaw. My wand is Elderwood with a dragon heartstring core that is 10 and a quarter inches long. My Patronus is a Borzoi. My favorite book is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. My favorite character is Luna Lovegood. And my favorite class is Defense Against the Dark Arts. If you guys enjoy the podcast, please follow us on social media. Our handles are at HBPrincessesPod on Instagram and Twitter, and our Facebook and YouTube name is The Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. We also have a voicemail line, which is 412-228-5435. Leave us a voicemail and we will feature it in a future episode. So, Demi, would you like to tell our listeners what the topic of our very first episode is? Our topic is Back to Hogwarts. I am so excited to announce we have two very special guests on with us, Ellen and Katie from Just Keep Rolling. So, guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Ellen. I am the Gryffindor host from Just Keep Rolling. My wand is 11 and 3 quarters beechwood with a dragon heartstring core. My Patronus is, well, Pottermore told me that it was a weasel, like Mr. Weasley's, and I was super excited about that until earlier this year I had to put my favorite cat down. His name was Jack Nicholson, and he was my buddy for 14 years, traveled all around the country with me. So after that, I became convinced that he is my Patronus now. Tonks' Patronus changed, so that can totally happen. But I still, like, I'll get bombarded with pictures of him on Facebook, and it still tears me up, so he is my Patronus. But my favorite book is Prisoner of Azkaban. It's the best. My favorite character is Dumbledore, but I have to specify that it is Book Dumbledore, and I do not like what they did to him in the movies, so Book Dumbledore is my favorite character. And my favorite Hogwarts class is probably Potions, or Transfiguration, or Defense Against the Dark Arts, or Charms, or probably just all of them. <laughs> I'm kind of Hermione. I can't decide. She is She is the Hermione of the two of us, definitely. I can tell we're going to get along really well. 
Okay, so that brings it to me. So, sup, y'all. Um, I'm Katie. I am the Slytherin host of Just Keep Rolling. And some might say the funnier one. I love you, Ellen. Don't hate me. <laughs> uh, anyway, my wand is ebony wood with a unicorn hair core, and it is ten and three quarters inches. My Patronus is a Manx cat, and that's really kind of super weird because I'm really, really allergic to cats. I'm, well, I'm allergic to most things, so I guess any Patronus it would have given me, I probably would have been allergic to it, just by law of <laughs> That's but, great. But I mostly, I mostly associate my allergies with cats and dogs specifically, so yeah, I, I would have been screwed pretty much any way you like. Uh, my favorite book is also Prisoner of Azkaban, because I love it, because it's it's Azkaban. I just, it's, it makes me so happy. I think it was, like, one of the first books I ever, like, physically cried at the end of. And uh, my favorite character is uh, Ginny Weasley, but also, like Ellen, I have to specify that it is book Ginny, because the movies did Ginny dirty, like, hard. I can't, I cannot get behind with what the movies did to Ginny. So it's specifically book Ginny. I actually named my daughter uh, Ginny. Right, I named her Juniper um, because Juniper, the drink gin, is made from the juniper berry. So I, that was my like sneaky way of giving her a Harry Potter name. So her her actual name is Juniper, but we call her Ginny. That's so cute. My my favorite Hogwarts class is probably Charms. Um, that is mostly because I really just want to learn Akio so I can, like, not have to bend over and get things myself. Uh, <laughs> however, if we're talking, if we're talking based on teachers, I would love Transfiguration with McGonagall or Defense Against the Dark Arts with Lupin. I love baking, so I think I would be really good at potions, but I think I would be terrible at learning from Snape. Thank you so much, Ellen and Katie, for introducing yourselves. We can't wait to have you back later on in this episode to talk all about Back to Hogwarts. But right now, let's get into our quote. It's time for Quick Quotes Corner. The quote for Back to Hogwarts comes from Chapter 8 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone called The Potions Master. There were 142 staircases at Hogwarts. Wide sweeping ones, narrow rickety ones, some that led somewhere different on a Friday, some with the vanishing step halfway up that you had to remember to jump. Then there were doors that wouldn't open unless you asked politely or tickled them in exactly the right place, and doors that weren't really doors at all, but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to remember where anything was because it all seemed to move around a lot. The people in the portraits kept going to visit each other, and Harry was sure the coats of armor could walk. The ghosts didn't help either. It was always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open. Nearly Headless Nick was always happy to point new Gryffindors in the right direction, but Peeves the Poltergeist was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you met him when you were late for class. He would drop waste paper baskets on your head, pull rugs from under your feet, pelt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up behind you invisible, grab your nose, and screech, got your conk! Even worse than Peeves, if that was possible, was the caretaker Argus Filch. Harry and Ron managed to get on the wrong side of him during their very first morning. He found them trying to force their way through a door that unluckily turned out to be the entrance to the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe they were lost, was sure they were trying to break into it on purpose. 
and was threatening to lock them in the dungeons when they were rescued by Professor Quirrell who was passing. Filch owned a cat called Mrs. Norris, a scrawny, dust-colored creature with bulging, lamp-like eyes just like Filch's. She patrolled the corridors alone, break a rule in front of her, put just one toe out of line, and she'd whisk off for Filch, who'd appear wheezing two seconds later. Filch knew the secret passageways of the school better than anyone, except perhaps the Weasley twins, and could pop up as suddenly as any of the ghosts. The students all hated him, and it was the dearest ambition of many to give Mrs. Norris a good kick. And then, once you had managed to find them, there were the classes themselves. There was a lot more to magic, as Harry quickly found out, than waving your wand and saying a few funny words. I love this description of the castle because it captures how magical and unique Hogwarts truly is, but for first years that can be very overwhelming. It's one thing to be thrown into so many branches of magic that Harry had never even dreamed of. It's something else entirely to have to keep track of the way the castle seems to come to life. Still, after growing up in the muggle world, the castle and learning magic fill Harry with wonder, and Hogwarts is truly a special place where he belongs. I completely agree. When you first go somewhere new, everything often seems strange and unfamiliar. But as Harry got more used to the castle, he was able to figure out how to go from point A to point B, and he was also able to figure out different routes to go to different places. Plus, the longer Harry stayed at Hogwarts, the more he learned to love and embrace it. His curiosity also leads him to discover all of the hidden parts of the castle. Totally. Oh wait, I think something's pecking on my window. Oh look, it's our owl Polly. I hope she's bringing us our Hogwarts letters. Oh wait, it's just our fun facts. Hey, it's Polly, our owl. She's flying in with the fun facts. Thank you so much, Polly. Speaking of fun facts, Polly got her name from the Polyjuice Potion. And now let's see what she brought us about Back to Hogwarts. It all starts with the Quill of Acceptance and Book of Admittance. If you've never heard of those, I'm about to let you in on a big secret. So, there's a small lock tower in Hogwarts that has never been visited by any student. In this tower is an ancient book that hasn't been touched by human hands since the four founders placed it there on completion of the castle. Beside this book, in peeling black dragonhide, stands a silver ink pot. Protruding from this ink pot is a long, faded quill. These are the Quill of Acceptance and Book of Admittance, and they constitute the only process by which students are selected for Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. The Quill and Book's decision is final, and no child has ever been admitted whose name has not been first inscribed upon the book's yellowing pages. When a child first shows signs of magic, the Quill floats out of the ink pot and attempts to write their name in the book. It is believed that the Quill was taken from an augury, and augury's feathers are known to repel ink. This is very interesting because the ink pot is empty, and it's never quite been analyzed what exactly the silver fluid flowing from the Quill is. 
Also, the quill is believed to be much more lenient than the book because a near whiff of magic suffices for the quill, but the book will often snap shut, refusing to be written upon until it receives efficiently dramatic evidence of magical ability. The book's sternness has a purpose. It has a perfect record of keeping squibs out of Hogwarts. So, the quill's sensitivity, paired with the book's implacability, has never made a mistake. Young witches and wizards who are lucky enough to be recognized by the Quill of Acceptance and Book of Admittance receive their Hogwarts letter. In the Harry Potter series, the Hogwarts letter is sent by Minerva McGonagall. Because students begin Hogwarts at age 11, it is assumed that the letter is sent confirming their acceptance into the school before their 11th birthdays. Students can do all of their magical back-to-school shopping in Diagon Alley. For first years, they get to experience the excitement of getting their wand, along with robes, their school books, and other class supplies. Next is the journey to Hogwarts. So the Hogwarts Express hasn't always been the way students got to school. Before, there were many means of magical transportation, from brooms to magical creatures, and even disastrous apparition attempts, because we all know, thanks to Hermione, that Hogwarts has anti-apparition charms. Parents were also responsible for getting their children to school, and due to all of the different forms of magical transportation, there were muggle sightings of these wizards every year as they flew northwards. So, when the International Statute of Secrecy was imposed in 1692, it became a very urgent matter to find a more discreet way of getting students to Hogwarts. Porkies were tried first, but this didn't work out. Up to a third of students failed to arrive at Hogwarts each year for various reasons, and many students were porky sick, so they spent the first few days of the term in the hospital wing. What a disaster. After this, there was a suggested method to permit a fireplace to be connected to the flu network for students to get to school that way, but this was highly resisted by many headmasters who didn't wish for the school's security to be breached. So Minister for Magic, Ottoline Gamble, was absolutely fascinated by muggle inventions and he saw the potential in trains. Thanks to him, the Hogwarts Express came to be, but it hasn't quite been confirmed where the train came from. Secret records in the Ministry of Magic capture the details of a mass operation of 167 memory charms and the largest mass concealment charm ever performed in Britain. The morning after these alleged crimes, a scarlet steam engine and carriages appeared in Hogsmeade. The Hogwarts Express underwent many modifications until the ministry approved it for school use. Also, pureblood families were absolutely outraged at the fact that their kids would have to take muggle transportation to school, and they called it unsafe, insanitary, and demeaning. But once the ministry decreed that their children either took the train or didn't go to school at all, they stopped fighting it. So, the Hogwarts Express leaves from Platform 9 and 3 quarters from King's Cross Station on September 1st at 11 o'clock. Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry was founded by Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin sometime during the 10th century. The 10th century was a very dangerous time for wizards because of all the persecutions by muggles against wizards for being hostile to magic. So the founders built the castle in the Scottish Highlands and concealed it with many spells and charms. If a muggle passed it, all they saw were ruins and signs warning them of danger. The castle has a long history of ancient magic and much of its design and construction still remains a mystery. 
It's popular wizarding theory that Rowena Ravenclaw came up with the name for Hogwarts. Apparently, she had a dream that a warty hog led her to a cliff by a lake. The Hogwarts school motto is Draco Dormin's Nunclum Titalandus, which means never tickle a sleeping dragon. At the beginning, the four founders were friends, until Salazar Slytherin had a very different opinion of what Hogwarts should be. He only wanted to let purebloods in. After he and Godric Gryffindor got into an argument that is suggested to have ended in a duel, Salazar Slytherin left the castle, but not before creating the Chamber of Secrets. Rowena Ravenclaw met a sad end at Hogwarts. After Helena, her daughter, stole her enchanted diadem, Rowena sent the Bloody Baron after her because she wanted to see her daughter one more time before she died. But after Helena refused the Bloody Baron's advances and he killed her, Rowena died from a broken heart. Helga Hufflepuff made her contribution to Hogwarts by hiring the house elves to work in the kitchens. She was also awesome with food-related spells, and her recipes are still used at the Hogwarts feast. Godric Gryffindor left his legacy behind with his hat. He took it off his head, and he, along with the other founders, enchanted it so that the hat would be able to sort students into houses long after their lives. This is the Sorting Hat. The Sorting Hat is one of the cleverest objects in the wizarding world. It contains the intelligence of the four founders, can speak from a rip near its brim, and has the skill of legitimacy because it can look into the mind of the wearer and divine their capabilities and mood. At the beginning of each year, the hat sings a song before the sorting begins. Also, the sorting hat refuses to admit it's made a mistake, even when a student shows a trait that is stronger representation of another house rather than the one that they were sorted into. After the sorting is the delicious start of term feast, notices from the headmaster, and the singing of the school song, Hoggy Warty Hogwarts. And now, let's get into Harry's first ever Hogwarts experience like never before with our special guests, Ellen and Katie from Just Keep Rolling. Now, it's time to dive into the book topic of the week for tales of magic and mischief. We are going back to Hogwarts with Harry Potter, although for Harry, this is his first time. And the Dursleys have been trying to outrun the Hogwarts letters that seem to find them wherever they go. And in this chapter, chapter four, The Keeper of the Keys, there's nowhere left to run, and it starts out with them being cornered in a hut on a rock at sea. So there's this loud knocking on the door. Everybody's freaked out. Especially when a giant man just completely knocks the door off of the hinges and uh, makes this extremely grand entrance. Can you imagine what that first impression must have been like. I would have been so confused. Like, especially being Harry, like, he's so tired. He's on the floor. He's cold. He's hungry. And he's, like, watching Dudley's watch, like, count down to his birthday. And all of a sudden, there's a big boom. Like, I'd be like, what the heck is happening? I know some people might feel wary when they see something strange happening. But for me, it's like an adrenaline rush because I want to see what's going on and I want to understand. So I'd just be really stoked, honestly. See, I'd be crapping myself, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, like, big dude comes in the room, I'm running. I mean, I, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm, I'm very much a stranger danger kind of person. <laughs> and, you know, as, as Harry, I mean, he doesn't really have much reason to trust anybody, let alone some random-ass Harry dude that comes in and 
knocks down the door for goodness sake i mean like not even just knocks knock like not even just like hello anyone in there no like just knocks the door down like no sorry i'm out i do think it's pretty understandable that vernon comes out with a rifle though i can't imagine that he ultimately felt it would be all that useful, especially after it gets tied into a knot and just tossed aside. Like, he, like, ties it into a pretzel and just throws it aside. But then this giant sees Harry and immediately recognizes him. And this is the very first time that Harry hears, it's the very first time of many that Harry hears, that he looks like his father but has his mother's eyes. And considering that the Dursleys don't keep any pictures of his parents around, this had to have a huge impact on him. Do you think he had any idea what his parents looked like before? I don't think so. Absolutely none. No, I, I don't think he would have known them from strangers on the street, honestly. And that's sad. That, that really, that kind of upsets me that a kid wouldn't even know what his own parents look like. It's awful. You know what else is pretty sad? This giant gives him his first ever birthday cake. 11 years old, and he's never had a birthday cake before. Even a smushed, sticky chocolate thing with green letters saying Happy Birthday Harry is better than no cake at all. And that one was just clearly made with love. I also love how Harry means to say thank you, but instead just goes, Who are you? And I think that's pretty understandable. Because this has all got to be unbelievably overwhelming at this point. Honestly, I'd probably like the giant more than the Dursleys because he just gave me chocolate. Like, I don't care who he is, he just gave me chocolate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this guy. Well, we know what gets you down into the sewer for it. <laughs> oh my god! I did not see that coming! <laughs> Wow, basically, I just admitted that I could be lured into a car with candy. That's basically what I just said. I didn't mean it that way. Come join the dark side. We've got chocolate. Don't worry. All the chocolate you want. (laughs) But this giant with chocolate introduces himself as Rubius Hagrid, Keeper of Keys and Grounds at Hogwarts, and he expects Harry to know all about Hogwarts. Which, of course, Harry has no idea what he's talking about. And as Hagrid realizes he doesn't know anything about anything, he starts to get really mad at the Dursleys. And they're intimidated. They're still trying to stop Hagrid from telling Harry this apparent secret that he has that they've kept from him for 10 years. But Hagrid doesn't care. He's just going to tell him anyway. And he's just like, Harry, you're a wizard. And then he finally gives him this letter that has just been, like, stalking the Dursleys everywhere. And this letter reads, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Headmaster Albus Dumbledore. Order of Merlin First Class. Grand Sorcerer. Chief Warlock. Supreme Mugwump International Confederation of Wizards. Dear Mr. Potter, We are pleased to inform you that you've been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Please find enclosed the list of all necessary books and equipment. Term begins on September 1st. We await your owl by no later than July 31st. Yours sincerely, Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. So, how much did you, or honestly, do you, still (laughs) wish you could get one of these letters? 
it's coming to my door okay and it's gonna be in braille and it's gonna be great (laughs) (laughs) i honestly feel cheated by the alpes like clearly my name was written in the special book in the castle when i was born that i was magical and they just forgot about me and that's really rude I'm, i'm with you i feel like there was a mess up in owl post i mean despite the fact that you know technically i was way older than most kids who first read harry potter were when I first read Harry Potter, I was still like, well, I'm 19, but I could still get one of these letters, right? Although technically speaking, you and I are in the range of Harry Potter's actual age. We are. That is true. And if you think about it, our timeline with Hogwarts falls right in when the ministry was at its worst in organization because of the big takeover. So that's probably why our letters got lost. Well, again, you know, yeah, I'm, so we're going to blame the administration. I'm down with that. A hundred percent. Always down to blame those in charge. But I did also start making my own versions of the letters. So. You did. I have a letter. I made it for (laughs) myself, but it looks legit. So Harry reads his letter and Vernon's in the background like, he won't be going. And this is when Harry first hears the term muggle. As in, I'd like to see a great muggle like you stop him. And Harry, of course, has a million questions, but Vernon interrupts, saying, again, he won't be going, and they swore they would put a stop to all this nonsense. And this is when Harry realizes that they knew the entire time and kept it a secret from him. His reaction causes Aunt Petunia to go on a whole rant about how of course they knew with his freak mother and father, and she goes on to say that His parents got themselves blown up and they got landed with him. Since Harry hasn't had enough bombs dropped on him during this chapter, now he also has to contend with the fact that all this time he thought his parents had died in a car crash, since that's what his aunt and uncle told him. But this also causes Hagrid's outrage to peak, and he goes off on the Dursleys for claiming that a car crash killed James and Lily, and Harry realizes that Hagrid knows what really happened to them. Hagrid tells Harry as much as he knows about what really happened, and this is the first moment that Harry learns of Voldemort and the actual thing that killed his parents. Hagrid explained that you-know-who, because he was only willing to say Voldemort once with a huge shudder, but he explains that you-know-who was gathering power and followers and for some reason went after Harry's parents when Harry was only a baby. You know who killed them and tried to kill Harry too, but for some reason couldn't. That's how he ended up with the lightning bolt scar on his head and why he's famous. No one ever lived when you know who showed up to kill them, except for Harry. For some reason, failing to kill Harry seemed to finish you know who off, and after that night, he vanished. So if Harry was overwhelmed before, it's gotta be nothing compared to how he must feel now. Could you imagine? I mean, he takes it pretty well. He doesn't start crying or anything. He just kind of stands there, you know, shocked, and then just is like, well, if this giant is telling me this stuff and it's true, I guess my life can't get any worse than it already is at the Dursleys. So the fact that I'm famous must be pretty darn cool. Yeah, and also, like, everything else that is being said to him, like, it has to be super overwhelming and confusing, but at the same time, he's about to enter the wizarding world, which is a magical and amazing thing. So, like, yes, this can be super scary, overwhelming, confusing, whatever, but 
the next day when Harry goes to Diagon Alley, like, his life changes for the better. That is true. I I mean, I would have lost my mind. I, I, I still maintain I feel like Harry had to have been in shock at that point. He had, there was so much being dropped on him. Not to mention, I mean, he was probably seeing red at Petunia and Vernon based on the way they were talking about his parents. And to find out that they lied to him for so long about his parents. He had to just be going through such a range of emotions. Because you did, you have that, you have that excitement that, holy crap, I'm a wizard. Like, magic is real, this is a thing, there's a giant telling me this, I can't, you know, I can't say they're wrong, because... What do I know? But then also you've got your aunt and uncle being jerks <laughs> and saying that you can't go. And yeah, I, I have a feeling like he had so many mixed emotions. He just didn't know what to do at that point. Because I wouldn't know, that's for sure. Yeah, when I project myself into that situation, I've just like both hands straight into the cake and I'm just shoveling it into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But probably saying something similar to what Harry says because he initially tries to tell Hagrid that it's got to be a mistake. And Hagrid asks him if he's ever made anything happen that he just couldn't explain. And that prompts Harry to think about all of the odd things that have happened, like ending up on his school roof when he's trying to get away from Dudley and his gang and making his awful haircut when Petunia like cut off all of his hair except for his bangs to hide that horrible scar and inadvertently setting a boa constrictor on his cousin Dudley. So he thinks about all of those and they start to convince him that, hey, maybe I am a wizard. But Uncle Vernon chimes in again to insist that Harry won't be going to Hogwarts. It's becoming a pattern. It's like his mantra. He won't be going. But this time, he takes it too far and calls Dumbledore a crackpot old fool. Which, once again, leads to a very angry Hagrid. And he gives Dudley a pig's tail in retaliation. He asks Harry not to mention that to anyone at Hogwarts, since he isn't supposed to do magic. And this information piques Harry's curiosity, and we learn for the first time that Hagrid was expelled from Hogwarts in his third year. Harry wants to know why, but instead, Hagrid just tells Harry to get some sleep, since they have to go get all of his school stuff the next day. At the beginning of Chapter 5, which, which is called Diagon Alley, Harry and Hagrid leave the hut on the rock. While they ride on the boat and walk toward the station, Harry learns from Hagrid about Gringotts as well as the Ministry of Magic. We also hear the famous quote, Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. Then at the station, Hagrid gives Harry the muggle money so that he can buy their tickets. On the train, Hagrid tells Harry that he'll find a list of everything he needs in the envelope with his letter. Sure enough, behind the letter is another piece of paper with a list of equipment, including robes, a hat, protective gloves, and a cloak, which all must contain name tags. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 1, by Miranda Goosehawk. A History of Magic, by Fethilda Bagshot. Magical Theory, by Adalbert Waffling. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration by Emmerich Switch, 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi by Felita Spore, Magical Drafts and Potions by Arsenius Jigger, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander, 
The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble. Harry also needs a wand, a cauldron, a set of glass or crystal files, a telescope, and a set of brass scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed their own broomsticks. What do you guys think of the supplies? Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I think it's really cool. The one thing that really jumps out at me, though, is like at the very end, it lists you're allowed an owl, a cat, or a toad. And Ron comes in with a rat, which I mean, it's Peter Pettigrew, which we don't like at all. But I think it's funny that rats aren't listed on there and he comes with a rat. It's also funny that for the herbology book, the author's last name is Spore, which is part of a plant. That's what I love about about a lot of the books, actually, because, you know, Transfiguration, the last name is Switch. And that's essentially what Transfiguration is. Magical Drafts and Potions, the last name is Jigger. That's what they measure with. The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble kind of sounds like Tremble, so it's... Right, that's what I was thinking. And Newt's Commander, Newt is obviously a, an, a, an animal, a reptile, if to be technical, <laughs> you know. Scamander even sounds sort of like salamander, so. Right, yeah, that is true. So when they get to the leaky cauldron, Harry describes it as a tiny, grubby-looking pub that was very dark and shabby. The muggles obviously can't see the pub, though. And inside, Harry meets Tom the bartender, Daedalus Diggle, my favorite name, and he bowed to Harry in a shot previously, which is why Harry remembers him, and Professor Quirrell, a man who was trembling and stuttering when he met Harry. Harry describes him as a pale young man with one of his eyes twitching. Outside the pub, Hagrid explains that Quirrell has a brilliant mind, but when he took a year off studying to get some first-hand experience, they say he met vampires in the Black Forest, and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never been the same since. Little do they know it was really Voldemort! Spoiler alert! (laughs) That is quite the hag. (laughs) okay so then Hagrid begins counting the bricks in the wall above the trash can outside and he says three up two across he muttered right stand back Harry he tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella the brick he had touched quivered it wriggled in the middle a small hole appeared It grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing an archway large enough even for Hagrid, an archway onto a cobbled street that twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome, said Hagrid, to Diagon Alley. So let's just think about this here, okay? Because the shape of the bricks is an upside-down L. If you think about it, three up, two across. Diagon, L, diagonal, alley, it's punny. <laughs> oh, I just kind of got the chills. <laughs> That's literally perfect. And then nocturnally is nocturnally. So it's literally mm-hmm. perfect. And there's also horizontally in between the two. <laughs> <laughs> They're just missing verdict. Right. Verdict alley. Verdict alley. I do have to mention that the first time I went to Harry Potter World in Orlando, I literally cried when I walked into Diagon Alley. I literally <laughs> cried. I still have yet to have had that experience. I have not been there. I haven't been to the Orlando one. I've been to the Los Angeles one, and it doesn't have Diagon Alley, so I still cried. Yeah, it's amazing. So the first thing Harry notices are cauldrons outside a cauldron shop. 
Harry wished he had eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the people doing their shopping. They passed the apothecary, Elop's Owl Emporium, and Quality Quidditch Supplies, where some boys were exclaiming over the Nimbus 2000. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes, and strange silver instruments. Harry had never seen before. Windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eel's eyes, tottering piles of spell books, quills and rolls of parchment, potion bottles, globes of the moon. They reached Gringotts, a snowy white building that towered over the other little shops. Standing beside its burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was a goblin, about a head shorter than Harry. He had a swarthy, clever face, a pointed beard, and, Harry noticed, very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing a second pair of doors, silver this time, with words engraved upon them. Enter, stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief you have been warned, beware, of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be mad to try and rob it, said Hagrid. So moving forward, another pair of goblins bow them through the doors and they go inside Gringotts. The highlight of this visit for Harry was seeing his vault for the first time. After handing the goblin at the counter Harry's key, Hagrid, Harry, and Griphook took the cart down to Harry's vault, which Griphook unlocked. Some green smoke came billowing out, behind which was mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, and heaps of little bronze canuts. Can you imagine having nothing for like all of your life and then you see all this gold and you're like, oh my god, where have I been? What could I have bought for these last 10 years? Apparently all of the solid gold things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted the solid gold gobstones and the solid gold cauldron. <laughs> he wanted all the gold. That's why he's a good seeker. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So then, obviously, they go to Vault 713 to grab the Sorcerer's Stone, and they leave. Next, they go to Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions to get fitted for robes. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch dressed all in mauve. But this visit is kind of sour because that's when Harry meets Draco Malfoy. We actually talked about this in the, when we were on our episode about when he first meets Draco. Could you imagine that being the very first other wizard you ever meet? Mm-hmm. The first wizard of your own age, yeah. too. Like, that's your first schoolmate. I really like that JK did that, though, because it sets up conflict from the start. You know, like, we meet Draco, but while he's in the shop, like, Draco doesn't introduce himself, so Harry doesn't know that's Draco, and then obviously they meet on the train again, but I like how that kind of sets up suspense. This whole meeting with Draco just sours the fact that Hagrid did a nice thing and got them ice cream and Harry's just kind of depressed. But, I mean, I don't like the flavor he got. He got chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. Where's the vanilla, people? I want my cookies and cream. <laughs> <laughs> vanilla overall. Yeah. I'm just saying. Or a nice mint. I'm down with a Ooh, mint. Yeah, I'm going with mint. Chip. Mint chocolate chip or, like, uh, s'mores. Maybe s'mores is good. Yeah. I like cherry cordial. That's weird. So after this, they buy parchment and quills, and Harry finds a bottle of ink that changes colors you write, which is really cool. 
And then Harry remembers his conversation with Malfoy and he decides to talk to Hagrid about it. So he tells Hagrid how Malfoy said muggle families shouldn't be allowed in Hogwarts. And Hagrid says that Harry is not from a muggle family. Everyone knows his name. Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best I ever saw were the only ones with magic in them in a long line of muggles. Look at your mom. Look what she had for a sister. So then Harry learns about Quidditch from Hagrid and asks Hagrid about Hufflepuff and Slytherin, which Malfoy mentioned, and he learns that those are Hogwarts houses. Everyone says Hufflepuff are a lot of duffers, but... So I looked this up, okay? A duffer means an incompetent or stupid person, especially an elderly one. So basically, Hagrid is calling Hufflepuffs stupid. I'm so offended. But here's the vocabulary for all of our listeners to learn, because it's pretty funny. Like, I'd never heard the word duffer before, and I was laughing so hard. It's funny, too, because it has some of the same sounds as Hufflepuff. Ah, stop it! Oh, yeah, that's really smart. Stop attacking my house! (laughs) (laughs) You're evenly matched to me. There are three other houses here. We got them all covered. You're not going to be smack-talking Hufflepuff once we get to the feast, so... Just like, you know. I'll say, start whining to me when your house gets called evil all the time, because that's all I ever get. <laughs> oh yeah, he calls you evil right here, look! Mm-hmm, look at that. Segway. <laughs> You're welcome. So, when Harry says he'll, he bets he'll be in Hufflepuff, Hagrid says, Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. There's not a single witcher wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was one, and Harry's like, What?! You know who was in Hogwarts? I thought he was above that, but he was. He just says the wizards who went bad were all Slytherin. He doesn't say that all Slytherins are bad. That's what I always say, but people are like, oh, all the Slytherins are evil. Which is why coming from a Gryffindor, it's more believable. Is that it? You're welcome. Is that when it's... Yeah. (laughs) Uh I mean, think about all the points Gryffindor gets throughout this series. Like, she's not wrong. Next, they go to Flourish and Blots. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from curses and counter-curses. Bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges. Hair loss, jelly legs, tongue tying, and much, much more. By Professor Vindictus Viridian. Vindictive. That works for the author's name. And Viridian is a shade of green. So you've got, like, the jealousy in there, too. I was say, look at the art teacher coming out. And the shapes and colors. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just saying the name of this book is probably the tongue-tying curse, though. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> but Hagrid has to burst his bubble and say he can't curse Dudley because he's a muggle. And Harry doesn't know enough magic to get this book yet. But I'm sure that at some point... The twins have this book and have learned from it. So afterwards, they purchased a pewter, not gold, cauldron that Harry wanted, scales, and a collapsible brass telescope. And then at the apothecary, they bought potion ingredients. Hagrid proclaims that he's going to buy Harry his birthday present, which, of course, Harry's super surprised by because no one gets him presents. And they go to Elop's Owl Emporium and buy Hedwig, a beautiful snowy owl fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop stammering his thanks, sounding just like Professor Quirrell. And finally, the moment you guys have been waiting for, we're going to Ollivander's. 
Peeling gold letters over the door read Ollivanders, makers of fine wands since 382 BC. So when Harry steps into the shop, he says, the very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some secret magic. Okay, and then this creepy old man comes out and they're like, who the heck are you? And they realize that it's Ollivander. Again, we hear Ollivander say that Harry has his mother's eyes and he begins describing his mother's wand. Ten and a quarter inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. His dad had a mahogany wand. Eleven inches, pliable, a little more powerful, and excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favored it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. The famous line. Again, we see that Mr. Ollivander is kind of creepy because he actually doesn't get permission to do this, but he touches Harry's scar. That's just an invasion of, like, personal space. <laughs> As someone who hated when people would touch my pregnant belly, I have, I can totally agree with that. Scars have a really weird, because a lot of times there can be nerve damage and stuff, so to touch a scar feels really weird too, so all of that's just creepy. He's just all around creeps me out. Like, the way that he remembers every single wand that he's ever sold, like, not just like, oh, I think it's this wood, I think it's this core. Like, no, he literally remembers the core, the wood, and the length, and it's just so creepy to me. Curious. <laughs> Very, Very curious. curious. <laughs> I also think it's funny how after this, he measures Harry for his wand, but he measures him all over. Like, what does your armpit have to do or, like, the your nostrils have to do with a wand? Between your nostrils? Yeah, what does, that, what does that mean? I still maintain that it was they were measuring to make sure the wand wouldn't go up his nose easily. I think that's... <laughs> well, what if you put your wand in your nose and it, like, blew your head up or something? Right? You know that's happened at least once. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in, in Order of the Phoenix, you know, Mad-Eye Moody yells at Harry about about putting his wand in his back pocket because better wizards than you have blown off a buttock. <laughs> imagine what little, they're doing to their noses. Little known fact, that's actually what happened to Voldemort's nose. Ah, boom. <laughs> Look at that. We figured out the mystery, guys. <laughs> so finally... Uh, Harry tries all of these wands, and he's really confused because he's like, what am I, what are these supposed to do? They're not doing anything. Um, but Ollivander gets, like, super excited because he's like, ooh, a tricky customer. More, 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 and just keeps thrusting him, like, different wands, which I find amusing. And so then Ollivander says, holly and phoenix feather, 11 inches, nice and supple. And he hands Harry his wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air, and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework, throwing dancing spots of light onto the walls. And as you will notice, those sparks are Gryffindor colors, so it's foreshadowing to later yes. on in the book. <laughs> love it. Digging it. Yeah. I would love to get my own wand, like... In the actual wizarding world. That'd be so cool. I know. It was. <laughs> Lucky duck! <laughs> I made the Muppet face. 
Oh my god. But my wand has a Phoenix Feather Core too, just like Harry's. So Ollivander is ringing up the wand, and as you mumbled earlier, he keeps saying curious. Harry asks him what's curious, because he just seems like an old man that's like going nutso. But he says, I remember every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. Every single wand. It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather is in your wand gave another feather. Just one other. It is very curious indeed. You should be destined for this wand. When its brother, why, its brother gave you that scar. Yes, yes, thirteen and a half inches. You, curious indeed how these things happen. The wand chooses the wizard, remember? I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. So imagine hearing this and then you just kind of slowly leave the shop with a wand that you thought was going to be like the coolest thing ever and then you realize that you might run into its brother pair which could actually hurt you. The wand was what Harry was most excited for and now that just completely got twisted around and I love how the foreshadowing is planted in this first book because we obviously know that the twin cords has a very deep connection and significance throughout the series so it's cool to see this happen here. What is your favorite shop in Diagon Alley? It is a toss-up between Flourish and Blots and Ollivanders for me. Because I love books, but getting a magic wand is just a magic wand. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I would have to go Flourish and Blots myself because for the, for the reason that you only get one wand, theoretically. And I can get millions of books. You can get all of the books. I can get all of the books. All of the books. I agree with both of you because I love to read and I feel like I'd be the person like Hermione trying to learn everything I can about magic. So I definitely pick that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to concur. But I also will say that if I was into potions, I would really like the apothecary just because when the way they describe it, it's super strange in there. And I just want to keep looking around. That is true. Yeah. That is, I have to agree with that. When you think mm -hmm. about the smell of books, can you just imagine what magical books must smell like? Yeah. Yes. Magic -y books. Yeah. Mm. All right, friends. We've come to the end of the chapter. They go back to Paddington Station. They have burgers together. Harry says he doesn't understand how he can be considered special and do great things because he barely remembers why he's famous in the first place. And this is one of my favorite Hagrid moments because Hagrid basically assures him that everyone starts fresh at Hogwarts. And he just looks so much like a father in this moment, being so kind to Harry, who's obviously scared. It's just, it's so beautiful. So then Hagrid gives Harry the envelope with the ticket to go to platform nine and three quarters, and Harry watches Hagrid out the window as the train pulls away, but since Hagrid is magical, he just vanishes. Okay, so we start off chapter six, the journey of platform, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Um, with the Dursleys basically ignoring Harry for the rest of the summer, which was better than before in some ways, really, because they suck, and Harry doesn't really want to interact with them anyway, but it's still kind of depressing, because it's always depressing when you don't have anyone to interact with you, no matter how crappy they may be. <laughs> I bet you half the people in this pandemic can relate to that. Right, exactly. 
And like at least he has Hedwig though, because if he didn't have Hedwig, it would have been way worse. So exactly, he and and he had something to look forward to. So that was probably really nice to have that that light at the end of the tunnel, really for him. I think silver lining, which we don't have currently. Yeah, <laughs> still waiting. <laughs> Thanks to the fact that Hagrid gave Dudley a pig's tail. And the Dursleys already had to go into town to have it removed, Harry was able to convince his uncle to give him a ride to King's Cross to catch the train to Hogwarts. Yay! Vernon doesn't quite know what to make of the whole platform nine and three quarters thing, and because the Dursleys are generally not nice people, when they do take him to the station, they walk him all the way to platforms nine and ten, just so they can point out that there is no platform nine and three quarters, and laugh at him before abandoning him to his own devices. Because as we mentioned before, not nice people. They kind of suck. They suck a lot. Harry upsets a guard trying to figure out what to do, but then overhears a woman with a bunch of redheaded kids saying, packed with muggles, of course. She then asks what the platform number is, and a small redheaded girl pipes up with nine and three quarters. A lot of people have commented on the fact that Molly should know better than to loudly use terms like muggle and would have already known the platform number. And this leads to one of my all-time favorite fan theories, okay? And that is basically that Molly Weasley, because she's awesome, saw this scrawny, underfed child with an owl who had no idea where he was going. And she was just like, she was like, yep, that's my new kid right there. That's mine. He is mine, and his name is Harry, and he shall be my Harry. And, uh, <laughs> Who did not just do yeah, that? That made me so happy. <laughs> that's from Finding Nemo, right? Mm-hmm. He's yes. my squishy. He shall be my squishy, and I shall name I shall name him Squishy, and he shall be mine. She thinks this in her head, obviously, but she doesn't want to scare the crap out of him by just being like, "Hey, kid, wanna wanna come find Platform Nine and Three Quarters with me?" Because that's creepy. Nobody wants that. I have some chocolate here. Yeah, I've got some chocolate here. I've heard it works wonders on on kids. (laughs) Um, So instead of just approaching him out of nowhere and and freaking him out, she decided to just be like loudly like, Muggles! Muggles everywhere! Does anyone know what the platform number is of the wizard school? What's that? Nine and three quarters? Oh yes, that's right. The platform number is nine and three quarters. That essentially Molly had to probably go past him about 12 times. Just each time, just getting louder. <laughs> just getting louder and ushering the kids past him. Just each time. Just, just what was that platform number? Hey, kid number five, what number was the platform? Until he finally was like, hey, wait, muggles. I know that word. That's a new word. What? Platform 93, that's where I'm going. But yeah, but he finally gets gets her attention and she explains that Harry just has to walk right into the barrier between platforms nine and ten and it's best to do it at a bit of a run if he's nervous which I would I should think you someone's just told you to walk into a wall I would think you're gonna be a bit nervous no it's like in those cheesy movies where you have to believe for it to work is the way I think of it you have to believe that the platform is there otherwise it's not gonna be there I like that. Yeah. I like that idea. I would totally walk up to it and, like, just touch it with my finger to make sure that it's not a brick wall. Because I would totally not do the whole thing where you, like, go at it at a full run. I'd be too scared. And, um, so, like, and even, like, at a walk, too, like, 
I feel like if I'm just casually strolling toward this wall, like, people are going to notice me and be like, why is that person walking straight out of area? So I feel like I just casually lean against, like, the normal wall and just, like, tap it with my finger to make sure it's, like, not solid. Exactly. See, I like to believe that I would casually walk up to it and stroll right through it, but I know myself and I'd get really excited and I'd end up skipping. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm, I'm... I'm personally very afraid of looking like a fool around people. I have more shame than you would think. And I would totally do the same thing. I would be like, yeah, I'm just going to casually just kind of nudge my trolley up against that and see if it goes anywhere. Just kind of lean against it. And you know what? If if I end up going through a barrier, cool. If not, I just look like I'm taking a break. That's cool, too. <laughs> Like, <laughs> no, see, I would, I would, I would still run. I would believe, and I would run, and it would be fine. Well, you're the only one here who do that. So shout out to you. <laughs> you are braver than I. This is why I'm not the Gryffindor. With Mrs. Weasley's help, Harry makes it to platform nine and three quarters. With the redheaded twins, Fred and George's help, he gets his trunk onto the train. They see his scar and recognize him as Harry Potter, and he gets his first taste of just how famous he actually is. Kind of, because he got a little bit of that from Ollivander, but he got it from people his own age, close to his own age. That had to be a little mind warpy. Especially after he gets on the train and overhears them tell the rest of their family who he is. I don't I don't know how I would feel at that point. I might I might have just kind of been like, oh my god, okay. You don't have to tell everybody, really. You don't You don't have to do that. I'm not that cool. We get a little more information about the Weasley family during this, such as just how mischievous Fred and George are, how pompous Percy the Prefect can be, and how much Ginny really wishes she could go to Hogwarts too, not to mention the first signs of her interest in the famous Harry Potter. On the train, Harry is joined by the youngest Weasley brother, Ron, which is obviously the start of a beautiful friendship of mischief and mayhem. Their compartment is visited by a witch with a food trolley, which is full of only sweets, which is a really good idea to give to kids on their way to school prior to dinner. None of these sweets, by the way, are at all recognizable by Harry because they're all magic. Yay. I mean, I would totally do what he did and buy all of them too. Seriously, right? I'm really picky. So I feel like I'd like look at all of them in turn and be like, would I like this? No, I don't think I like that. And I'd probably pick like two things because I'm very picky. I would, I would be picky to a point of what I would actually consume, but I would buy at least one of everything. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I'd buy one of everything and then I'd probably just end up eating all the chocolate frogs and keeping all the cards. Okay, but let me just add here, okay, that he gets this chocolate frog and he gets this picture He tells Ron that pictures in the muggle world don't move. And Ron is like, what? They don't move? And Harry's like, yeah, and these move. This is so weird. (laughs) I kind of love it when they flip flip things and they turn it into Harry explaining what the muggle world is like to Ron. As opposed to Ron explaining what the wizard world is like to Harry. It's not a real frog. (laughs) I mean, but still, I'm sorry. I don't want to eat things that are moving. I just don't. (laughs) And like... The pictures can leave the card, too. That, like, freaks me out. It's like, where did they go? Yeah, where did they go? It's not like they have another painting to go to. Exactly! I always figured that 
it was one picture for all of the chocolate frog cards of Dumbledore. So he has to go from card to card to card and pop in and visit everyone's card. As they ride to Hogwarts and bond over conversation, sweets, a failed magic attempt, Quidditch, and standing up to bullies, they also meet several other first-year students of note, such as Neville Longbottom, who's looking for his lost toad, Hermione Granger, who is helping Neville look for his lost toad, and then stays to watch Ron attempt magic and brags about how she memorized all the course books and all the spells she's tried have worked. Fancy. And, of course, we discover uh, just what a little jerk Draco Malfoy can be, uh, along with his cronies, Crab and Goyle, who show up to see if Harry Potter really was on the train. And he is. And I kind of can't even imagine being Draco in that moment of, like, Holy crap, you little jerk from the from the robe store. Like, wait a minute. Why is this not the first thing you said to me? Like, the fact that Draco and Crab and Goyle all show up to verify that Harry's on the train, I can only imagine how many people were, like, walking past the compartment and trying to peek in at him. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it had to have just been nonstop traffic out there, and Harry and Ron are just shoving candy in their faces, completely oblivious to all of it. Then they're just kind of like, that's the boy who lived? Well, okay. But honestly, like, Harry, like, wouldn't have cared less, honestly, because when Draco tried to make friends with him, Harry's like, I can tell the wrong story for myself, thanks. (laughs) I love the sass in that line. I gotta say, the the lack of authority figures on the train is a little bit alarming. Like, it's really only the the trolley witch who just loads him up with sugar and candy. But yeah, so Hermione later returns to avoid people acting childish in the corridors and tells Harry and Ron that they better get their robes on. About five minutes before they are due to arrive at Hogwarts, a voice makes an announcement telling them to leave their luggage on the train to be taken to school separately. When they get when they get off the train, the first years are greeted by Hagrid, who ushers them all to boats that go across the uh, the Great Lake. And that's a really great way to to see the castle. I, I for a while I didn't understand why only the first years got to go on the boats and then I'm like no because that makes sense because you don't you don't go to Hogwarts in a in a carriage like you can't get the whole picture you got to see the castle from the lake with all the lights and all the everything and I, I just I love it like it just ah I feel like that'd be something I'd be most excited about on the way to Hogwarts like not being there before on the train like I'm so surprised that. Like, Harry and Ron never had the conversation, like, oh, I can't wait to see the castle. Like, I'd be, like, waiting and waiting to see the castle. Right? I'd be brimming with questions. So, because his brothers obviously have been there, like, why didn't he sit there and be like, hey, Ron, like, what did your brothers tell you about the castle? Like, any, like, cool things? Like, what's the common room like? All this. And that never comes up. I don't know, man. If I had had a strange visit with a giant... And an even stranger excursion in Diagon Alley, and then someone just put me on a train, I'd want to know what was going on. Right. I very much would want to know what I was getting into. Yeah, because they know they're going to Hogwarts, but there's no, like, oh, it's a castle. It's, like, there's no description at all. And it's like, oh, I'm on this train going to some random wizard school that I have no idea what it looks like. I don't know, like, really what goes on in there. It's just weird. Like, I wonder if he, like, glanced through the pictures of Hogwarts of History. Like, oh, okay, so it's a castle. Probably not. (laughs) They go through a tunnel, reach an underground harbor, and climb out of the boats. Hagrid finds Neville's toad in a boat, and they head up some stone steps to a huge oak front door. Hagrid knocks on the castle door three times. And then the fun begins. Dun, dun, dun. 
So now we're on to chapter seven, the sorting hat. Can I just say I feel super special for having chapter seven? I gotta say. <laughs> seven is the magic number to me. It is. So when the great oak front doors open, Professor McGonagall meets the first years, and this is when Harry gets his first look at the amazing entrance hall. The entrance hall was so big you could have fit the whole of the Dursley's house in it. The stone walls were lit with flaming torches like the ones at Gringotts. The ceiling was too high to make out. And a magnificent marble staircase facing them led to the top floors. So this is just fantastic. And then Professor McGonagall leads the first years into a room off of the entrance hall and tells them all about the sorting. Welcome to Hogwarts, said Professor McGonagall. The start of term banquet will begin shortly, but before you take your seats in the Great Hall, you will be sorted into your houses. The sorting is a very important ceremony because while you're here, your house will be something like your family within Hogwarts. You will have classes with the rest of your house, sleep in your house dormitory, and spend free time in your house common room. The four houses are called Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Each house has its own noble history, and each has produced outstanding witches and wizards. While you're at Hogwarts, your triumphs will earn your house points, while any rule-breaking will lose house points. At the end of the year, the house with the most points is awarded the House Cup, a great honor. I hope each of you will be a credit to whichever house becomes yours. The sorting ceremony will take place in a few minutes in front of the rest of the school. I suggest you all smarten yourselves up as much as you can while you're waiting. I shall return when we are ready for you. Please wait quietly. So after hearing this, I would feel super overwhelmed. I just got to this magic school and now I have to take some kind of sorting test in front of everybody and don't know what that is. So how would you guys feel? I would be very nervous about being sorted in front of everybody. That would have me freaked out. I like being the center of attention, so I'd like run up there and put the hat on and be like, sort me! <laughs> <laughs> and based on every test I've ever taken, I'd be like Draco, where the hat would barely touch my head, and it, but it would yell out Gryffindor for me. I feel like I would do the same thing, and I'd also kind of treat it like a graduation ceremony. It's like you're going up to be honored, into whatever house you go into and like everybody claps for you which is pretty darn awesome i feel like i would do the same thing if i knew what the sorting was but right now we don't know what it is yet and clearly ron and harry are nervous too so harry asks ron if he has heard what the sorting is you know from his brothers because they obviously have been sorted already and ron has the most fantastic response some sort of test, I think. Fred said it hurts a lot, but I think he was joking. Which, this is classic <laughs> twins. Literally classic mm -hmm. twins. As a first year, since you don't know what the sorting was, you get all of these thoughts in your head. And my thought would be, oh, I have to spill a drop of my magical blood to figure out what house I'm in or something like that. Or I have to succumb to a spell to figure out what house I'm in. Just some, I'd have a crazy delusion like that, and then it would be nothing like that, and I'd be so relieved. I think I would be so worried that it was, like, a terrible, like, day of gym class where you had to be picked into your teams. And, like, I would be, I would be so nervous I'd be the last picked. Because that's just my, that's my nightmare right now is a never-ending gym class. 
Or, or you know, once you find out that it's a hat, what if, what if your house gets announced and nobody claps? Ah, oh, I have such terrible anxiety about this now. Oh my god, you guys, I'm not even going there, and I'm freaking out. If Katie actually sleeps tonight, she's gonna have nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. I have some terrible, like, sorting-related nightmares. I'll show, I'll get off the boat and be naked or something. Like, it'll be <laughs> my teeth will start falling out. All the bad stuff will just start happening. <laughs> so, before Harry can really let this sink in, the ghosts glide into the little chamber where all the first years are hanging out. And I literally forgot this entire thing happened until I reread this for, you know, my research. But all the ghosts are talking and they're complaining about Peeves and they're saying that Peeves gives them all a bad name and Peeves, like, like has been given enough chances and he's not even a ghost anyway. And I just think this is fantastic because, like, they're going off about this. The Fat Friar realizes that these first years are here and asks them, you know, guys, first years, are you here for the sorting? And some of them are nodding. And the Fat Friar is like hope to see you in Hufflepuff my old house you know I will see you in Hufflepuff <laughs> uh, so then Professor McGonagall comes back in tells the ghost to basically move it and then she tells the first seers to get in line and follow her into the great hall Harry had never even imagined such a strange and splendid place it was lit by thousands and thousands of candles floating in mid-air over four lawn tables where the rest of the students were sitting these tables were laid with glittering golden plates and goblets. At the top of the hall was another long table where the teachers were sitting. Harry also looks up to the ceiling and notices that it's velvety black dotted with stars and Hermione, in true Hermione fashion, whispers, It's bewitched to look like the sky outside. I read about it in Hogwarts A History. So now it's time for the sorting, and Professor McGonagall comes in with a four-legged stool and places the sorting hat on top of it, and the hat is looking rough, it's dirty and ragged, and clearly super old, and Harry has a thought that Aunt Petunia would not let that anywhere near the house, which I think is so <laughs> funny. <laughs> so then Harry has this fantastic thought that maybe he'll have to pull a rabbit out of the hat which is literally the most muggle thing you can think of like with magic tricks so this is super <laughs> <Yes>. accurate <laughs> it really is <laughs> Ooh, or like what if you don't pull a rabbit out and whatever you pull out is from your house oh that's cool holy shit i just pulled a lion out of a hat <laughs> <laughs> i pulled out a badger i pulled out a raven as someone who is deathly afraid of snakes, I'm running. <laughs> then the hat switched. A rip near the brim opened wide like a mouth, and the hat began to sing. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall. For I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head, the sorting hat can see. So try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and shivery set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff where they are just and loyal. There's patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw if you were ready mine. 
mind where those of wit and learning will always find their kind more props than slytherin you'll make your real friends there's cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends so put me on don't be afraid and don't get in a flap you're in safe hands though i have none for i'm a thinking cap this song is just so clever it is so many puns no, the second that I read I'll Eat Myself, if you can find a smarter hat than me, I was I was hooked. I was just like, this is brilliant. Yeah. Right. So everybody applauds and the sorting hat bows to each of the four tables and then it's still again. He bows, so it's like hats off. Get it? <laughs> oh! There you go. Look at that. <laughs> so now here are four reasons why we should all stand the sorting hat. First of all, it started the song by basically saying it was the best hat in town, so all the other hats around can just take a seat. Second of all, it's amazing at songwriting. Third, it can rhyme on point while also being informative. And fourth, the very end is literally the best because it says that you're in safe hands, fully aware that it had none. A complete legend. We love the sorting hat. (laughs) I do also love that after they hear the song and realize they just have to try it on, Ron's like, I could kill Fred. He was going on about having to wrestle a troll. So then Professor McGonagall explains the whole sorting that she's going to put the hat on their head and the hat will determine their house. Harry at this point is still kind of nervous because first of all, he doesn't really know what house he would fit into. Also, he's like worried that he's doing this in front of the whole school like we were talking about earlier he wishes that he could have done this without everybody watching and then as the sorting continues he gets super anxious about like what if the hat doesn't actually sort him and he's sitting there for ages and then professor mcgonagall takes it off his head and is like wait there's been a mistake go back on the train you're not a wizard sorry (laughs) professor mcgonagall calls harry's name Naturally, the whole school breaks down in whispers because that's how disrespectful they can be. Because, you know, Harry's already super nervous. He's a first year, and now they have to whisper because he's Harry Potter. They can just be quiet. But then Harry sits on the stool, and <laughs> Professor McGonagall puts the hat on his head. And this is the conversation between our friend, the Sorting Hat, and our pal, Mr. Harry Potter. Hmm, said a small voice in his ear. Difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind, either. There's talent. Oh my goodness, yes. And a nice thirst to prove yourself. Now that's interesting. Where shall I put you? Harry gripped the edges of the stool and thought, Not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Sorry, Katie. (laughs) I'm used to it. (laughs) Not Slytherin, eh? Said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head, and Slytherin will help you on the way to greatness. No doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor! So, I love this whole conversation. Also, I love how the first quality that the hat points out is him being courageous, and that is the trait of Gryffindor. So, even though Harry was like, convinced that he didn't want to go to Slytherin and even though the hat was kind of going back and forth with like maybe he could be in Slytherin the first thing out of the hat's mouth was yeah courage so he was destined to be in Gryffindor it's just like how online when you take those tests you have a house and then you have a secondary house 
And it shows here that Harry's secondary house definitely is Slytherin. Yeah. And I definitely want to have a little convo here. So we're going to go in house order. So each of us kind of talk about the house traits that were mentioned in the song that reflects our houses and then what our secondary house would be. So Ellen, you can start. Um, yeah. So Gryffindor and I am brave at heart and daring and I've got nerve and chivalry. Yeah, so whenever I take those tests that will tell you the secondary houses, they can't decide on mine. I am, like, so Gryffindor that it just kind of ties the other three. So it rotates depending on the test that I take. It might be Hufflepuff, it might be Ravenclaw, it might be Slytherin. That's cool. All right, I guess I'm next. So I'm Hufflepuff, obviously. I'm very loyal. I'm very patient. Um... You know, Hufflepuffs are everyone's best friend, and I can clearly see myself as a kind-hearted person, unafraid of toil. That's me. Secondary house, definitely Ravenclaw. I feel like I'm a Hermione because I've always been obsessed with learning books. I've been, like, chopping my class, so, like, I feel like I am very Ravenclaw, but, like, with Hermione, like, she can clearly be in that house, but Gryffindor sees her better because I feel like your house should be kind of aspirational and represent the quality inside you that you need to work on and build so I feel like that's why Hermione's in Gryffindor but for me like I feel like I'm a kind person in general loyal but I feel like for me like kind of being nicer to myself and kinder to myself and like that so I feel like being in Hufflepuff can kind of help with self-love too which I don't really think many people think of it that way but I kind of see it that way for me Hmm. Hmm, I like that yeah I agree Mm-hmm. So all of the quizzes have considered me a Ravendor. So I'm a Ravenclaw. I am very smart. I've never gotten below 4.0 um, in my life. Um, and I aspire to be smart because I aspire to learn. And I feel like in life, it's not worth living unless you keep learning and growing. And so that's why I like that I'm in Ravenclaw, because even though I am smart now, it doesn't mean that I can't continue to learn. And then Gryffindor is my secondary house, and I feel like I am pretty brave. I've been through some sticky situations in my life, and I've gotten out perfectly fine. So I really like the fact that I am a Gryffindor. And I also like how I'm kind of the reverse Hermione, where she's a Gryffindor slash Ravenclaw and I'm a Ravenclaw slash Gryffindor so I feel like I'm connected to her in that way and also I like my combination because I also love Luna Lovegood and I am so happy to be in her house and I feel like Luna's secondary house would be Gryffindor definitely Mm -hmm. for me I I am a Slytherin I feel like the line about uh in Slytherin you'll make your true friends your real friends I feel like that is really with me because I'm one of those people where once we're friends, we're friends. Like we're we're just friends. That's all there is to it. And I, I will jump through hoops or start a podcast with you. Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I will do I will do what I can. And again, you know, going into the into the cunning and using any means to achieve their ends. Generally, the only issue I have with this and myself is I use the laziest means to achieve my ends. But if I have to work harder, I will. I'm a I'm a work hard work smarter not harder kind of kind of deal. My secondary house back in the day I was um, also sorted into Hufflepuff. Thank you! Yay! However, 
<laughs> However, I honestly don't feel that I'm nice enough to be a Hufflepuff, if I'm being completely honest. I feel um I feel much more and and now as I've gotten older and learned more about myself and I take these quizzes and things like that, um I go more with Ravenclaw as my secondary house. It's not that I'm not smart, but this goes in a lot to the work smarter not harder part of me. I'm the wit part of the wit and wisdom of Ravenclaw. I'm the sharp wit that if you mess with one of my friends, I will cut you down. That's where the Ravenclaw is. But then, you know, I also have the the obvious Ravenclaw trait of, you know, loving books. I also feel like I'm a Ravenclaw too because Ravenclaws are artistic too. They don't just have to be smart about books mm-hmm. and things. Like, they're artsy. So I feel like that's how I relate to people is the art that I do. Yeah. You know, in in writing and podcasting and music and in everything. So yeah, I think that's another reason yeah. why my secondary house is Ravenclaw too. After the sword in, Dumbledore stands up to give what everybody thinks is going to be a fantastic speech that ends up to be a very odd one. So this is what happens. Welcome, he said. Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words, and here they are: Nitwit. Blubber, oddment, tweak. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That is fantastic. Shakespeare couldn't have written it better himself. That part just makes me laugh because he's supposed to be the smartest, cleverest warlock, and here he is just standing there saying random stuff, and the students are just looking at him like, huh? Yeah, he literally just gets up and says, I would like to say a few words, and he literally says a few words. <laughs> But there were a few words. He didn't say they were going to be smart words. He didn't say they were going to be particularly wise words. He just said, I would like to say a few words. Maybe those are just his favorite words. He's just like, you know what's really funny? Oddment. Funny ass word. I'm going to say that in my speech today. Nitwit. Tweak. So Harry's thinking to himself, like, Dumbledore must be mad. But before he can really think too much into this, the golden plates fill with a ton of food, which, um, here we go, guys. Everybody who uh, hates on Hufflepuff, I just want to let you guys know that Helga Hufflepuff's the one who hired the house elves and gave them a place to work fairly. And she's also the one who was amazing with food spells. And she's the one who made all the recipes that the they still use for the Hogwarts feast. So next time you want to talk bad about Hufflepuff, think about your food that you eat at these tables and then talk to me. I'm sure that's also why she planned to have their common room right by the kitchens. I do think that you were a little cheated to me because they never described the common room in the books. I would like to know what the Hufflepuff common room was like. JK says she had no reason to take Harry there. Why not? Like, honestly, like, what could have happened was Cedric could have been like, yo, can you come to my common room? I have to tell you something about this second task. Something, yeah. So, um, the food appears, and this is a fantastic feast. Ready for the food? Roast beef, roast chicken, pork chops, lamb chops, sausages, bacon, steak, boiled potatoes and roast potatoes, fries, Yorkshire pudding, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup, and peppermint humbugs. Okay, so let's go in house order and say what we would want to eat from this feast. So, Ellen, you can start. Okay, so this is literally why one of my secondary houses could potentially be Hufflepuff, but I would be that person that would take a little bit of everything. I'm really picky, so what I would eat is probably steak, the roast chicken, lamb chops, and fries. I would eat the roast beef, 
Um, the pork chops, the sausages, the bacon, the steak, the potatoes, the other potatoes, the fries. <laughs> um, I'd like to try Yorkshire pudding because I've never had it. I'm really pretty picky, but this is actually a pretty decent list for me to get fat off of. My favorites would be the roast beef, the steak, the roast potatoes. I'd take a couple of fries. It depends on the fries. Uh, definitely would have the ketchup with the fries, of course. I love Yorkshire pudding. I'm a fan of Yorkshire pudding. And and I like some carrots. I'm down with carrots. So that's that's my meal right there. That is what all of us would eat while we're at our own tables because none of us will be sitting together because different houses. We'll pass notes. It's all good. Let's pretend that there's a buffet table and we'll just sit at the buffet table. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put a buffet table or a picnic blanket in the middle of the Great Hall, and that's where the four of us will sit. And everybody else can just look at us and think whatever they want. The food disappears after everybody stuffs themselves, and then soon after, the desserts appear. Ready for the dessert menu, people? <laughs> Blocks of ice cream in every flavor. Apple pies, trinkle tarts, chocolate eclairs, jam donuts, trifles strawberries, jello, and rice pudding. So again, Ellen, what would you have for dessert? Um, I am very strange about cooked fruit, so I'd probably be avoiding cooked fruit desserts. But the chocolate eclairs, the strawberries, I'm not gonna lie, I love jello, so I'd probably take jello. Um, I would definitely have some ice cream, probably. I mean, if it says any flavor you want, vanilla with a little bit of chocolate, maybe red velvet. And I'll also have s'more ice cream and uh, um, cookies and cream. And I'd also have chocolate eclairs. It sounded like you were saying, I will have this ice cream and I will have some more ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, in short, all the ice cream with chocolate eclairs. I will eat every single piece of apple pie there is on the table because that is my favorite dessert. Um, if I'm on a diet and you bring me an apple pie, it'll be gone in like two minutes. Um, and I definitely will have the strawberries because I love strawberries, um, as well as the ice cream and the jello. But rice pudding just sounds gross, so no thanks. Yeah, I desserts are definitely where I get more picky, um, surprisingly. I'm I'm going for all the ice cream. Just not all of it, most of it. Um maybe some maybe some mint ice cream. No chocolate chips, but a mint cookie ice cream, I'm down with that. Some vanilla ice cream with the apple pie, because that's the only way I can roll with it. Depends the trifle depends on the trifle. It depend like if it's like a like a strawberry trifle, nah. I'm nah, I'm good. If it's chocolate, I'm I'm diving into that head first. So while everybody is eating their desserts, they talk about their families, whether they're pure blood, half blood, muggle born. And after dessert, Dumbledore gives his real announcements. Firstly, um, he reminds everybody and lets the first years know that the forbidden forest is out of bounds. He also says that Mr. Filch asked him to remind everybody to not use magic in the quarters, like we care what Mr. Filch thinks and says. He also says that Quidditch tryouts will be held two weeks into the term, and also that the third floor quarter on the right side is out of bounds to everybody who does not wish to suffer a very painful death. And then he says... 
And now, before we go to bed, let us sing the school song. Dumbledore waves his wand, and out from the end comes a golden ribbon that sails above the tables and twists itself into the words of the song. And he also tells everybody to pick their favorite tune, and then they begin to sing. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy-Warty, Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our hearts could do with filling with some interesting stuff. For now they're barren, full of air, dead flies, and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing, bring back what we forgot. Just do your best, we'll do the rest, and learn until our brains are rot. What would you guys pick for the tune that you sang the school song to? See, I'm bad at this kind of thing because my brain immediately started singing it in the version they put in the movie. I can't, I can't imagine it to anything else because I'm not that musically inclined. I'd probably sing it to a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> <laughs> a rap version could be fun. Yeah. A, ra- a rap version, you could sing it to um, if you're happy and you know it. Just just because it's so it's an amusing tune and it would be kind of funny if you did that. Or um, if you sing it to my default, like to me, sing about a Taylor Swift song. I sing everything sometimes to the tune of our song by Taylor Swift. And that's what I do, so... Those are the two things that I just randomly thought of. Yeah, I just always go back to how they did it in the movie. I'm not, I'm like Ellen. I'm not good at like coming up with uh, new songs. I do the Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy Warty, Hogwarts, teach us something, please. And plus, I feel like it's a silly song. It should be sung in a silly, silly way. Because, come on, who the hell brings up, like, oh, let's figure out the school song? Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy, Warty, Hogwarts. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Let's put that in. I want to know who wrote the Hogwarts school song because they definitely could have taken tips from the Sorting Hat. The Sorting Hat should have wrote the damn song. Yeah. Asking me. I mean, that's... maybe he did, and it was just a long time ago before he got <laughs> really good at it. Maybe, maybe that was his first little foray into musically writing, into writing music. Yeah. So after this, Dumbledore sends them off to bed because they need to be well rested for classes the next day. So Percy, our least favorite Weasley, leads everybody up to Gryffindor Tower. They meet um, our friend Peeves along the way and they go through the portrait hole behind the fat lady and Harry sees the common room for the first time that's cozy with squashy armchairs and Percy directs the boys and girls up to their dormitories. Harry finds his dormitory with five four-poster beds hung with deep red velvet curtains and all of their trunks have been brought up to and it's time for bed. They go to bed and back to Hogwarts is finally here and school is starting the next day with classes. So this was awesome. Out of this whole experience, like the four chapters we talked about, you know, Harry getting his letter or going to Diagon Alley, the journey on the train, or this first night at the castle. And house order, which one of these four would you be most excited to experience your first time having a Hogwarts experience? I'd have to say actually being at Hogwarts. Maybe Diagon Alley too, though. I don't know. 
for me it definitely be the castle just because it's such a magical place and just the thought of getting to be there stepping into the entrance hall for the first time seeing the great hall for the first time that's just a totally incredible thing and i'd love 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 to experience that it's a tie for me because getting your wand for the first time would be a dream come true but also i would love to be at this castle see i i stick with i stick with diagon alley to feel that for the first time had to have been overwhelming to feel all the magic around you you know that makes sense because that's the first place Harry went that was truly 100% magical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Diagon Alley is going to be the first time you experience that magic all around you, but Hogwarts is going to be the first time you're part of it. Yeah. I don't disagree with you guys. I'm just, for me, it would be just that initial shock of magic being like surrounded by it. And finding a magical bookstore. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we would all love to have this magical journey to Hogwarts, but, you know, we're still waiting on our Hogwarts letters. So for any of you wizards listening, Dumbledore um, from the grave, please just alert somebody to send us Hogwarts letters. That'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed our Back to Hogwarts episode with our fabulous guests, Ellen and Katie from Just Keep Rolling. How did you guys like being on? Oh, this was so much fun. This was fun. I liked it. It's always great. You guys are awesome. Yeah, it's always great to get to talk to other Potterheads. Well, we loved having you. Where can everybody find you guys? Um, well, you can find us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. We also just started up a YouTube channel, so I've gotten all of our episodes with, I did some graphic designing with pictures, because we actually compare and contrast the movies to the books. So I did pictures with the books and the movies and photoshopped them all together with the information and made all of those for our YouTube channel. And um, you can find that if you just search, just keep rolling. So subscribe. Mm-hmm. We also have a website. Oh, we do. We also have a website too. Don't forget that. It's uh, justkeeprolling.com. And you can get, we got links to all, all our socials on oh, that yeah, too as well. Everything's linked through there. And we have t-shirts and stuff that mm-hmm. we have designed. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on. We loved having you, and we're definitely going to have you back again soon. Everyone, our next episode comes out on September 18th, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this chapter of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. Hedwood's theme and Leaving Hogwarts in this episode were originally composed by John Williams and arranged by me. Until next time, mark this page with a magical bookmark.